Yes, people, it is episode 177 of Griff's Brain Dub. It's me, Griff, obviously. How are you doing? Um, I've got nothing to talk about. It's Sunday. Um, I guess I'll just talk about what I've been doing in the week. I mean, I guess we could go... We could talk about football coming back. I guess we can talk about that. But I just come back from foot golf. It's the crossover between football and golf. And tell you what, social distancing is done. It's over. We don't care anymore. We was out. Everyone was out. <laughs> now I guess because um, it's outside, uh, you know, you can have more people in that space. But it just felt like any other day. The only thing that was different was queuing to get into the building to pay for stuff. You know, you had to queue for longer. But it's um, felt normal. It felt normal. I think the coronavirus or COVID-19 is is scarier as an idea. Not also, I'm not trying to diminish what it is, but I think it's scarier as an idea when you're at home and hearing about it. The concept, the idea of coronavirus is scary. But when you're outside, because you can't see it, the reality isn't, you know, people running around with masks and being scared. You just saw everyone's having a normal time at a golf course. Some people playing golf, some people... Do foot golf. But that's what showed me. That's what came to my mind, though, is there's going to be a... Well, it's not a class thing, but there's going to be like a, a haves and have-nots. So your, your the sport sports and activities that some with more money will do. So the sports and activities that's come, that will be coming back will be the ones that cost more money to do. So golf... Tennis, um, guess like more outdoor pursuity things, maybe. Yeah, you'll be able to just get onto like get to your marina and just get on your boat. You'll be able to do all of that, but your more kind of working class activities, like going to the gym, uh, football, may not be coming back so quickly. You know, if it was sport activities. But um, yeah, but it's cool though to be outside. It's good to see my boys, man. Um, sit, you know, seeing five out of the six. The sixth one, he's, he's in Australia. So, you know, we don't see him as much. He didn't make the effort to come and hang out with us. I mean, I don't think he values the friendship anymore. <laughs> but yeah, but that was good, man. And uh, football's back. How about that? Football's back. I was talking to my brother about football. He was, you know, Tottenham. Drew one all with Man United and we were both sat there cussing we weren't with each other but we both said you know we sat there cussing getting all pissed off at the game and we was like wow is this what we've been missing is this what we've been desperate to come back for us to just be irate at our TV screens and I mean it's hilarious I'm such a I'm such a baby when it comes to Tottenham and football I'm such a child. So when Tottenham went 1-0 up, oh yeah, it's fist pumps, banging my chest. No, he's like, oh, did they just score? Because I've got my headphones in. I'm like, yeah. So what's the score? 1-0. Brilliant. She knows that. And then I'm silent for the rest of the night. And they go, like, what's the final score? It's like, uh, 1-0. She's like, oh, you sound disappointed. I was like, yeah. Why? Because <laughs> we were winning. I just sound like a baby because we was winning. <laughs> but 
But then I was just fist pumping that Arsenal losing. So it, it was fine. Arsenal lost twice, Spurs have drawn once. Uh, it's just that North London mediocrity, man. We're, we're going to finish above them, but not much. Not by much. What am I really celebrating? But we'll see. Uh, what else is going on in the world? So yeah, just watching football with the fake crowd noise, which I love. I'm a fan of the fake crowd noise. Um, I just find the empty stadium sad. It's too sad. Can't do it. I need the fake crowd noise. That's what I need. Um, what else have I done? I watched a documentary on... What was the documentary on uh, Netflix? It's about... Is it Roll Red Roll? It's about some high school in Ohio where they basically had rape culture going on. Some girl was was raped by underage girls raped by like two high school students. Um, and just basically, you know, that there was a cover up. It was just that the attitude of those reacting to it, you know, was protect. It was almost like protect the boys, protect them because they're good football players. We need to protect them. And the girls are kind of just, you know, uh, not taken seriously. It was weird so how the guys spoke about it. You know, they they, they were laughing and joking. Like, oh, my God, she was so raped. You know, the girls, like, passed out and stuff. And they just found it funny. And um, so, yeah, so it opened up a discussion to me and my wife about rape culture. And I was saying that, you know, when it comes to rape, culture i think for a lot of um i think a lot, a lot of these terms they have a, a, a real meaning to them um, and they probably come from a real kind of academic or social scientific uh insight and they have a real meaning and then what happens is they get into the mainstream and they're used by joey average and it then becomes this weird buzzword that's lost its kind of original meaning because people are just trying to shoehorn it into every situation. So for me, rape culture is just like, oh, you know, people not taking rape seriously. And I was like, yeah, I get that. I, I, that that's a thing. And then, but then when women are trying to put it on guys that, you know, you don't have rape culture and, and us as guys, like, no, we don't. But then watch this documentary. It was like, oh, yeah, that's rape culture. Because like I said, these guys literally just... Yeah, she got so raped. Oh, it's hilarious, man. Oh, she was so passed out. She got so raped. And then when it came to the process, like the questioning from the police and the coach of the football team was like, can you use like a different word to rape? And the, the police was like, well, no, because that's what's happened. You know, like if they enter her person, any part of her body without consent, like that's rape. And the, and the coach was like, Huh, yeah, like, yeah, I get that. And it's like, yeah, like, if they don't have consent, that's also rape. And he's like, uh, mm, uh, like, he didn't want to give that. So I think so with guys, yeah, a lot of us, um, well, I guess it's just my circles. We wouldn't joke about rape or trivialise rape. Like that. I guess the only time guys do trivialize, I know guys trivialize rape, is when it's man on man and it's like prison. I remember I was with uh, an with an ex, right? And actually, yeah, and to be fair, actually, I say that 
he was trivialized, especially when I was younger. Like, so when I was at uni, for example, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd chuck around the term, um, you say stuff like, you know, oh, I need to, yeah, I need to give this, you know, assignment in, otherwise, you know, my tutor's absolutely going to rape me. Or oh, I'll get raped by my workload. Of, like, work's raping me right now. Right? And so I think that, you know, that kind of use to the word. But I remember one of my exes saying it. And she said, oh, if I don't get my work in, my tutor will rape me. And I was just like, what? And she's like, no, he's not actually going to rape me. It's just a saying. And he was only hearing her say it. I was like, wow, that's a... Yeah, that's not, that's not something I could be saying anymore. <laughs> like, so, yeah, it took that. So, I guess when it comes to rape cultures, what what counts as that and what doesn't count as that? Um, but, yeah, it's definitely a thing, man. It's definitely a thing. It's, it's definitely eye-opening. Um, I guess seeing it in such an extreme. And when you see it in such an extreme, that when it's... Just when it happens more moderately, you can see how you know it, it's on the kind of edge of the same, of the same issue. So yeah, I was discussing it with, with my wife uh, yesterday. This happened. Uh, conversation got heated. Um, when we was discussing it. I suppose good. It was a good conversation. It was eye opening and stuff. Um, but I think, like, you know, we we definitely approach from different perspectives naturally. Definitely approach it from different uh, perspectives naturally because obviously, although obviously rape happens between men and men and sexual assault by law can happen to women and men. I think most of the time when we talk about rape, women are always going to look at it from a victim perspective and men are always going to look at it from a kind of uh, falsely accused perspective um so it's you know how how do our normal behaviors play into these situations um so that's not placing blame on anyone you know it's that kind of the normal behaviors so you know a guy trying to honor a woman what behaviors are just a man in the pursuit of of female attention and how much of that is actually now you're crossing the line here. That's kind of rape culture. And we was having that kind of discussion and it was interesting. It was, it was, it was good. It was good. And then it's kind of like her speaking from a woman's perspective about a guy making women feel vulnerable. Um, you know, vulnerable to, to danger. And then having that discussion of, you know, can, is it the man making them feel vulnerable? Um, some situations 100% other situations it's like well now you you now feel vulnerable but the guy's intention wasn't and we're talking about the responsibility a man should have in not making women feel vulnerable and I was saying agreed but then there's some behaviour that a man will do that won't have that intention and with some women won't make them feel vulnerable with other women it will and it, yeah it's just murky it's a murky topic and it's there's gotta be gray areas but i think there's definitely there's definitely room t- to narrow that gray area though when i think that comes from um from educating 
educating men, really, educating um, young boys on how to interact with with women. I think it comes educating women and young girls to 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 what's tolerable and what's not. Um, you know how just some behaviour is just not acceptable from from guys and you should feel within your rights to be like no i'm not i'm not accepting that that behavior or any kind of hint towards that so yeah man because that's one thing that's interesting in the documentary like here because you always hear a lot of guys say you know as a father um you, he's this guy all day. as a father you wouldn't want your daughter to be in that situation and i was like oh, i can't want bruv and then he went and your sons and i was like oh, okay cool 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 so I think that's what happens. We over-focus on women. You know, women shouldn't be out late. Women shouldn't wear this. Women shouldn't be alone with guys. Women shouldn't go back with guys that don't know. Women shouldn't leave their friends. Uh, women shouldn't walk across a, a dark park and stuff. And and while I, I agree with all of that, because that's the actual reality of the world we live in, we also have got to reduce the amount of rapists that are on the street, right? So there's got to be an education of guys to be like, hey, when she says no, leave it. Um, if she's really drunk, just give her your number, mate, and then see if she messaged you tomorrow. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's the thing. You just don't want you just don't want the stress of that. Like I said, on just on a selfish perspective, you just don't want the stress on your head. That's my thing on that. Anyway, what else is going on in the world? Um, Black Lives Matter. You can see all the um, all the TV channels have really just been re-augmenting, re-configuring uh, their the online services. Just bunching all their black shows together and just putting BLM on there. Sky have got a nice montage for their Black Lives Matter thing. Premier League, Black Lives Matter's on the back of the shirts. Everyone's just pushing towards it, which to me makes me feel like, okay, it's, it's now profitable. I'm still not convinced that these companies care, care. But I don't mind them putting the money towards it. Same way that I don't think they care about LGBT things. But hey, they're going to change their, their logos to have rainbows in the background and... They're actually going to make a push towards their that cause. I'm pretty sure there's some people of the LGBT community. Like, yeah, I'll take that. That's that's me. That's me with the BLM thing. It's just like, listen, if you uh, if you want to chuck money towards black initiatives, then please, by all means, do. I'm not I'm not going to complain about that. But talk about two things there, BLM. Uh, one thing that I'm getting a bit tired of. Is people bitching and moaning about BLM being anti-heterosexual male. I've looked at the website and it's anti-heterosexual male. It's a LGBT agenda thing. They're trying to push the gay narrative tig on black people. Here's my thing. One, a racist doesn't care whose genitals you like if you're black. Okay? So, that's one. One thing is that. Is... You, 
LGBT people, if they're black, they're black in it. So they're part of the black struggle. Trans, gay, lesbian, bisexual, intersex, whatever. If you're black, you're black and you're part of that struggle. So don't care. Second thing about their leadership. So the leadership, so BLM is founded by, I think, three women who are lesbian. Um, and on their website, it does say um, they've got a her story rather than a history. Um, let's see, let's, I'll read you a clip of, of what they say. I'll try to find it. Um, right, so I think this is this is the clause. These are clauses that really get into under a lot of people's skins, right? So it's um, so we make space for transgender brothers and sisters to participate and lead. Uh, we are self-reflexive and do work to require required to dismantle cisgender privilege and uplift black trans folk, especially black trans women who continue to be disproportionately impacted by trans antagonistic violence. Um, we build a space that affirms black women and is free of sexism, misogyny and environment in which men are centered. Um, uh, what else is that we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure required to require well, it's a requirement. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended family and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Right. So a lot of people go, you know. Why are they not talking about men there? It sounds like they're trying to say fathers aren't needed. And it's like, no, I didn't I don't read that. I read that it's the where the family there isn't a man, they're not gonna make the woman feel like shit and they're gonna have a network and they have a village to raise that kid. Um granted, you know, they it says, but actually, no, not even granted. It says to, that collectively care for one, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Yeah, so it says it's a more of a focus on the children there. And it does say mothers, parents, and children. It doesn't say fathers there. Right? Now, cool. My thing is, right. So fathers aren't including that bit, but not every organisation is for everyone. And the way I see it is this, is that they're trying to, I don't think they're anti-straight black males or cisgendered black men. I think what they're, it's just they're pro the other groups, women, LGBT, trans, to be in leadership. I think that's all it is. And if you're a straight black man, you just have to just fall in line and just follow and support. And for me, I don't have an issue with that because there are so many organisations that are led by, especially that black community, are led by cisgendered, heterosexual uh, black men. So 
the objectives of the organization isn't against the objectives of all these other organizations. You can just work together. And if you want to be a black man and you want to lead, then BLM isn't for you to lead. Join a group like the 100 Black Men of London or the 100 Black Men is a worldwide organization. Um, so depending where you're listening. Um, where that group, which I'm a part of, is all centered on actual male lead not necessarily cisgendered or heterosexual we don't really have sexuality included in that but as just a part of society is naturally going to be uh a bit exclusive to those those groups they're marginalized groups so then that's going to be a bit exclusive you know we really amp up about the the necessity of, of a family, a nuclear family, having a male and a female, uh, mother and father. And, um, and that's the reason why the group exists, is the fact that we know a lot of these families don't have a father figure. So here you go, here's a positive representation of, you know, strong black men and doing the right thing and being mentors to young black uh, children. So that's me. So you might have your different um, methods, your different... Um, philosophies and method, no, your methodologies, but if your objective is the same, where it's equal rights of black people, empowerment of black people, then I can't see why you can't just get along. And the the moves that BLM have made since twenty eleven to now has been big, far bigger and better than any other black organization in the same amount of time. Um, so why not just get get behind that why get to a point where we're now being listened to or people at least pretending to listen and then that's the moment where we're going to go as a as a race or as a group or as people focus on the issue of racism especially anti-black racism to then go no nah, but we don't like the group that are leading this like why why do that and be fair some people have been digging at blm for time some people just jumped on the bandwagon now and stuff. Like, this is a weird time to, to jump on that bandwagon. Um, and to say that that they're anti-men when literally most of their campaigns are about black men being shot dead. How can you think that they're anti-men? If anything, would they not be celebrating this or doing some kind of intellectual gymnastics and getting like a Candice Owen type to, to talk about how, you know, Black men dying isn't an issue. When you talk about black women, they're not doing that. It's just their leadership structure. And hey, maybe it's working. Considering how the moves they've made. Maybe that's maybe that's the way forward. Maybe it's more female leadership needed in these organisations. Who knows? Who knows? Um, right. What else has been going on? Well, actually, there was two points I was making. So it was the BLM thing. I'm not going to be able to remember, am I? It's BLM. And what else was I talking about? Um. Oh, man. I can't remember, man. Shit. Ah. Now we just have a train of thought. I knew I'd deep dive too much into the BLM thing and won't remember the other the other topic. Some about TVs, BLM. 
LGBT leadership. Maybe that was it. If I can't remember, maybe it just wasn't meant to be said. How about that? How about that? We'll just move on. Um, what else been going on this week? What else been going? On? That's it. I think that's. I think I've. Um, Kate Hopkins been kicked off Twitter. Don't know why. I haven't actually looked into it. Because I ignored her. Because she feeds off attention. So I stopped giving her the one thing that she craves. Attention. Yeah. That's it. Um, shout out Marcus Rashford. Getting the kids food. Um, okay, okay, Alright. I lied. Katie Hopkins thing did come across my timeline. Where... She basically said that she didn't want to be paying money for these kids who needed foods. And I was talking to some people that, you know, have gone, well, I kind of agree with what she said in the sense of that, you know, it should be taxpayers paying this. It's like, well, I think it should. Because at the end of the day, there are kids going there that going around starving. Is it their parents' responsibility to feed their kids? Yeah, cool, it is. But you're now going to punish a starving child because of their parents' decisions. You're not punishing the parents by doing that. You're punishing a child. So, like, what? You're going to starve kids to prove a point? You know what I mean? That's, it's not the way to do it. And granted, there's going to be some families that benefit from this policy that shouldn't. That's all policies in the world. And you can't not feed starving children because some other children might eat who aren't starving. You know? That's that's not right. I mean, it's like setting up a homeless shelter and going, actually, no, don't set up a homeless shelter. Why? Because what if some people aren't homeless end up staying there? It's like, cool. But what about the actual homeless people that will be staying there? Do they not need shelter? Yeah, but I just don't think you should bother set up this shelter or soup kitchen just in case, you know, those non-homeless people take advantage. So, yeah, that's my, my view on all that. Um, shall we get into a bit of Dear Deirdre? We've been talking for 26 minutes. Um, let's get into that. And then I'm going to start watching football. And obviously Liverpool can't win the league, which I'm happy about. Wouldn't it be mad if Liverpool somehow managed to bottle it? I doubt they will, but we'll see. Um, right, dear Deirdre, sex with my ex-girlfriend is incredible, but we still fight like cat and dog. So strange. I've, I've, I just, I, I, it's just such a weird thing for me. Like I've done some morally abject things in uh in my past but one thing that has never i've never done it's nothing it's not a morality thing it's just i've never got back with an ex i've always found it weird i've always just been able to just rip the plaster off whether i'm the dumper or the dumpy <laughs> it's just always been all right relationship's over we're not going to be doing that anymore and that's it, where some people are just like, yeah, we split up, but, you know, you know how things go, you have something to drink, you hang out, and one thing leads to another. I'm just like, it's just never been that for me. 
just we split up and then they just immediately become one of the most annoying people for me to look at. Now, I mean, it's one thing if you split up and it's like, right, we're going, we split up, now we've started talking and then we've got back with each other. That, okay, that's different. But the whole, you know, we're not together, we're in that breakup, broken up phase. We don't like each other. Nah, not that. It's never been in my life. Um, so I've always found it very interesting. But anyway, that's... Uh, Right, sex with my ex-girlfriend is incredible, but we still fight like cat and dog. Dear Deirdre, sex with my ex-girlfriend is always amazing, and I'm tempted to get back with her, but we fight like cat and dog. I've been seeing a couple of other girls I get on with better, but it's nothing like as hot. I'd love to get back with my ex, but friends all tell me to stay away from her. Listen to your friends. I'm 27 and I met her at a friend's 30th birthday party a year ago. She's 28 and had a really sexy dress on and had a great figure. We got on brilliantly and were soon flirting heavily. We agreed to share a taxi and we got to, when we got to her, she invited me in. Within minutes, we were in bed. I had some of the best sex of my life and there has been even better since. I was in a house share and she invited me to move into a flat with her the next month. The sex got better and better, but the rows were bad. She's moody and needy and was always shouting at me over something she reckoned I hadn't done. <laughs> I didn't tell her I loved her often enough. Was messy, didn't compliment her cooking. It was endless. It got me down so much I moved back in with my mates after six months and went on dating sites. I met a couple of nice girls and I've carried on seeing them both only very occasionally since lockdown. They don't know about each other, but I haven't told either of them we're exclusive. After a month of lockdown, my ex, my ex contacted me. She's working from home and was feeling low and lonely. She invites me round to her flat. It's easy to sneak in without anyone seeing me. We ended up in bed every time and the sex is as hot as ever. But I say I would be asking for trouble for me to stay the night so we're not together that long. But I miss her and when I wake up all alone in bed in the mornings, yes, I see those other girls and that usually turns sexual. But they are nothing like as exciting as my ex. My mates got sick of me moaning about her. Yep, they should, they should, they think I shouldn't see her now and I should definitely not get back with her should i go for a girl i can have a good relationship with but miss out on hot sex or accept my ex and i are right for each other and whether the rouse well you're not right for each other because you keep on arguing and why do you have to settle for mediocre sex just find someone that you like and have good sex with them is they're not mutually exclusive things a lot of guys do this you know guys uh get with a woman She's wild in bed. And then he makes some excuse of why that's not material for someone to, for them to settle down with. And then vice versa, they end up settling down with someone who is way below average in bed. Who they're always going to feel tempted to cheat on because they're not as wild in bed. Uh, but they go, yeah, but they're a good person. Skip both. 
The way it's, it's doing guys how they treat the, those women. They like the girl, so they treat her with quote unquote respect, and then uh, they don't bring out that side of that girl, that woman. Whereas the woman that they don't respect, quote unquote, like they're not really looking for a relationship, they're like, shit, let's just get down to sex. And the sex is wilder because they're a bit more liberated and free. He's like, no, bring that same energy to a loving relationship and you'll be fine. Anyway, uh, so yeah, do not get back with her. Just carry on dating, man. You know, we're coming out of lockdown. There'll be loads of other women. Do that. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Oh, this is fun. Make my day. My husband did nothing on Mother's Day, so I will do nothing on Father's Day. Hey, shout out to all the fathers and the father figures. Happy Father's Day. Um, right, so my husband did nothing on Mother's Day, so I will do nothing on Father's Day. Oh, tip for tat. Always the best way to behave. Let's see. I plan to do absolutely nothing nice or helpful for my husband on Father's Day because he did nothing nice or helpful for me on Mother's Day. Well, you're not his mum, so what? Get your kids to do something. Um, we have three children, age 5, 7 and 10. Okay, they might be too young to organise something. Fair enough. Uh, I'm 35 and work evening shifts. My husband is 43 and, and works days. I do all the laundry, cooking and washing up. I cook and clear up the meal before I leave in the evening and put out the kids' night clothes all ready for them. My husband does the absolute minimum. On Mother's Day, he sat watching TV all day, paying no attention to me or the kids. In the end, I snapped, said, oh, sorry, I didn't realise it's Father's Day and not Mother's Day after all. It made no difference. I'm fed up and frazzled. I'll tell you why it made no difference. Because you're talking in fucking riddles. Why do you say, oh, sorry, I didn't realise it's Father's Day and not Mother's Day after all. Is he doing anything to celebrate Father's Day? No, like, he was just sat there watching TV. I get, I get it. He's not doing anything for Mother's Day for you. But he's not doing something that's so extravagant for him. He's just done nothing. So he's probably sat there going, what are you talking about? So, um, although, yeah, it'd be nice if he did something for Mother's Day. I'm, I'm, I'm siding with him at the moment. Let's see. Um... Oh, sorry, I thought that was the end of it. So, yeah. So, you're, not, you're now not going to do anything for Father's Day. Guess what? I bet he doesn't care. So, you're just going to get pissed off that you're going to be making this big gesture in your mind. Oh, I'm not going to do anything for Father's Day. And he's going to see what it's like to not feel appreciated. And then when he just goes and just lives his life that day, you go, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going to play golf with the boys. I'm going out. I'm like, but it's Father's Day. And he's like, yeah, we ain't got anything planned for it. And you're going to know you haven't. And you're going to be pissed off that he's not even bothered. And what are you going to do then? See, you just, you're just going to wind yourself up, love. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, Right, how about this one? Ooh. Toe the line. My lover wants me to suck his toes in bed and do things I find unbearable. Um, look, I'm not here for for uh, shaming people's sexual activities. 
But any woman that would put my toes in their mouth is a disgusting human being. My, uh, my, my feet are horrible. <laughs> you put my toe in your mouth, you don't respect yourself. Horrible feet. Horrible, horrible feet. Um... I find my lover incredibly sexy. I'm really attracted to him. And we have the best sex ever, 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 ever. But he wants me to do things that I find unbearable. I'm 23 and he's 31. I also really like him as a person, but can't stand the fact he loves me to suck his toes when we have sex. Oh, I absolutely hate it. Ah. Oh. Oh, God. That is gross. The trouble is, too, that this isn't all he likes me to do. There are other things I'm not okay with. I'm too scared to tell him how much I hate it all because I feel so much for him. I don't want him to leave me. Now nah, you got to tell him because it's going to get nuts for you. Granted, you're probably not going to uh, stay together. In the long run, because he has his needs. Um, so maybe just not compatible. And you just got to leave to leave yourself open to find something you are compatible with. That's all. That's all you got to do. Because you can't spend, you can't have a future of just sucking toes and doing other crazy stuff in bed that you actually find repulsive. So, no. No, no. Stop that. Stop it. Um... Let's see, is there anything more? Right. I was jealous, my girlfriend... I, I was jealous. My girlfriend dumped me because I was angry about other men liking her pics. Well, what's she meant to do? Stop posting pictures. What kind of pictures are these? Are they just cleavage for no reason pictures? No. Oh, I'm baking a cake. In a bikini. <laughs> oh, guys are so thirsty. Um, right, let's see. Uh, my girlfriend, a nurse, posted on social media that we split up because I was angry over a few guys liking a photo of her face. Jesus Christ, why are you angry about that? It's her face. The picture showed her face was sore from wearing a protective mask while treating coronavirus patients. What are you talking about? So it's not even a sexy picture. Um, I've been slaughtered on social media since, but she lied about the reason behind our split. Okay, going more. We were together for a year, but I got uncomfortable earlier on um, at the male presence on her social media accounts. I'm 31, she's 29, she's very attractive, and the type of photos she posts regularly get attention. She always dresses in low-cut tops or shirts which are practically unbuttered. I think it is fine if you are single, but she was doing it throughout our relationship, knowing the attention it would attract. Oh, right. I've started to see your perspective. She told me she never responded to anyone other than saying, sorry, I have a boyfriend. But I, do but I don't know for sure. It ate me alive that these guys were all looking at her in that way. I couldn't come to terms with it. So I ended our relationship, but I can't go over her slagging me off. Right. Do what is? She's an attention seeker. And I think most 
people who are happy in the relationship don't post first trappy pictures. There's no need to do it. Um, this isn't. Like, you're in a relationship. What, what attention are you trying to get? It's one thing you're just posting a picture and people find it attractive. But it's different if you're posting pictures for the sole aim of let me get some attention. Let me get the fire emojis and heart eyes and from guys that I don't know. You know what I mean? That's odd. That's odd to me. I mean, it's like me post the equivalent of that is like me posting a picture of you know I don't know, I don't know what a sexy picture is for women. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to try and give an example. I was like, I don't even know if we'd be like that. Um, yeah, it's just weird. Now, I don't find it an issue, like, say, I'll talk about, I'll talk about my thing. So, my wife posted a picture of her in a bikini. Well, if we're by a beach or by a pool, I don't really see, I'm not fussed by it. It's usually me taking a picture anyway. Um, you know, she's, she's trying to show lifestyle. I guess. But um, it is a picture of her in in the bath. Or a picture of like blouse undone. It's like, what, what, what is this? Who is this for? <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. It's silly. But you're, you're away from it. You know what she's saying. She's chatting rubbish. So just, just leave it, man. Move on. I think it's a lucky escape. All right, the fact that she's had to lie about you is just getting another cry for attention. So forget about her. All right, cool. All right, that's the end of the pod. Uh, I'm done. I'm going to eat a donut and drink some tea. and Yeah, play football manager. That's what I'm going to do. I'm on my mobile phone. Manager of Crawley Town. <laughs> Let you know how it goes. All right, see you later. Bye.